Hey everyone, I hope you are enjoying a great summer. I took a couple weeks off and then uh, Rob hosted the Zen Founder podcast last week. So it's been a bit since I've been behind the mic talking with you. Like many of you, I'm trying to sort of soak up the best of summer while it's available and anticipating a tricky return to the school year for our kids who are in different schools and doing various levels of social distancing and modified classroom time. It's great to have the simplicity of lots of bike rides and trips to the lake and eating ice cream outside in the yard. Um, Of course, we are tending our new puppy who is I guess approaching like 16 weeks old, super, super cute little guy. So I'd say intentionally practicing simplicity and ways to enjoy what's available, given that um, life is feeling very, very different than it was last summer, for sure. It feels like there's a lot of energy around time right now. So both reflecting back and comparing what's happening now to, you know, a year ago or three years ago. I don't know if you're like me, but I I do have a Facebook account still. And every so often Facebook will give me the, you know, the photo that I posted five years ago or seven years ago. And inevitably it's very different than it is now. My kids are different. I'm different. I'm doing something different. I'm in a different location, um, often traveling So there's this sort of nostalgia I think a lot of us are feeling for the time before the pandemic, the time in which we could move around more easily and give hugs and high fives and attend concerts and, you know, be in groups of people and be in crowds. So looking backwards is different than it's been before. I also think that looking forward feels very different. Many of us as entrepreneurs are very good at making plans and executing on them, but because the number of variables that are outside of our control feels dramatically different than it has in the past, I think our sense of the future is wrought with more anxiety and uncertainty than um, certainly a time when I remember. So I wanted to talk a little bit today on the podcast about mental health and our relationship with time, specifically about being future-oriented, past-oriented, and present-oriented, and those different ways that we exist and relate to time and what, what they could mean for our mental well-being. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Increasingly, I've been thinking about mental health from the perspective of a time traveler, that a model of being mentally healthy involves being able to move seamlessly through time. And I say this because some of the ways that we break down as humans have to do with either an overattachment or a sense of being stuck in the past Or, as is in the case of many of my entrepreneurial brothers and sisters, too deep of an attachment to the future and our relationship to the future. 
There's also some problems with being totally present focused. So that's why I say that we have to be able to move seamlessly through the timeline of our lives, both the past, the present, and the future without getting stuck or overly attached to any one place, to any one way of being in time. You know, a lot of people like to say, you know, leave the past in the past. The past doesn't matter. Let's move forward. What matters is right now. And I don't think that's super accurate. You know, as a psychologist, I feel like our ability to work with the past, learn from the past, reflect on our past over and over again, really, is is pretty helpful and healthy to our sense of ourselves, our sense of what we value. And again, our sense of being able to learn from our own history Our own capacity for pattern recognition, our own ability to be self-reflective is largely due to our ability to study and understand and learn from our past, both the sort of major, maybe traumatic things that have happened to us, but also the general sense of understanding how we operate in different situations. So our ability to learn from our past doesn't necessarily have to do with big, big events, but has to do with Again, this sense of pattern recognition, our ability to think back on different situations that we've been in, understand how we have reacted, why, and what that means for how we're likely to react in both the present and the future. That's that's self-reflection. That's a really, really great anchoring human skill, which we lose if we undervalue our past, if we decide that it's not worth looking at or going backward or something like that. So the The ability to practice memory is really important for that capacity for self-reflection. It's also really a deep part of who we are, the narrative that we hold on to, the stories that we tell about ourselves, about our family. Those are the tools through which we are writing our own story. So spending time looking back is a really valuable process and a really valuable thing. Of course, it gets disrupted when we get stuck in the past. And the most striking way to get stuck in the past is post-traumatic stress disorder, where literally the brain plays over and over a kind of video or a kind of deep memory of a traumatic event. And so someone really can't move on, both either in their thought process or in their physiological reality. They are always thinking about reacting to, working with, trying to suppress, trying to push away a story or a narrative from a a critical incident or a traumatic event from their past. Before I shifted my work to work with entrepreneurs, I worked at the National Center for PTSD. I worked within the VA hospitals. And I've spent a lot of time with people who are experiencing this really, really painful way of being. It's hard to explain unless you've had glimpses of it through your own traumatic events, but how trapped someone is in something that happened to them and how difficult it is for them to jog loose or move through that past experience. And of course, this is not a recipe for mental health. This is not where any of us want to be, where we feel deeply stuck in an experience from our past and unable to either anchor to the present or even move forward to the future. 
In fact, in earlier versions of the diagnostic criteria for PTSD, one of the criteria was a sense of foreshortened future, which means that people were so stuck in or trapped in the event of the trauma that they had difficulty even imagining a future in which they could feel or think or function normally. It's hard to make plans for, you know, next month, next year, 10 years from now, if you are spending or if so many of your psychological resources and mental resources are absorbed in trying to just cope with the pain that you feel from a past experience. It's frankly one of the reasons that people in maybe highly violent homes or high violent neighborhoods have trouble breaking out of that cycle because the capacity to imagine a different reality is on the, you know, on the brain level, on the neurological level affected so that it's hard to imagine a possibility past that. So again, this sense of how do we have a balanced relationship with our past, enough of a an ability to explore and understand and reflect and spend time in memory so that we can learn and enjoy and feel some mastery over the life story that we've lived up to this point, but yet not get stuck, not spend too much time in emotional reactions to things that have come to pass already, you know, things that are old, things that don't, you know, exist in our lived reality anymore. That's the balance that we're looking for when we're thinking about time traveling to the past. So to shift to the other end of the timeline, let's talk a little bit about the future. This is the spot where the vast majority of the entrepreneurs I know spend a lot of time. This is the part of your brain that's building, that's moving, that has momentum towards something that you are creating or growing. This is all of the decisions that you make today because they have implications for choices in the future. The way that you set your business up, the way that you set your family up, the way that you manage your finances. Certainly those of us who aspire to retire early are making lots and lots of choices right now because they have implications for the future. And this future orientation, as we call it, is mostly a great way to be. I know that it is the secret to success for lots and lots of folks because they're able to spend time mentalizing and anticipating different scenarios and set themselves up in the, in the optimal way so that the future goes more or less according to plan. Of course, the challenge of this is that Maybe I missed the day that they handed out crystal balls, but as far as I know, none of us have one. And so our ability to predict or to do a future cast of a multivariate analysis is limited. Even the most astute among us is making quite a few guesses around some of the variables that will shape the future. So if we put a lot of our psychological resources into future planning and future orientation, we are inevitably going to be at some times disappointed and our expectations will not be met. And we will over and over again bump up against the limits of our control in a world that is unpredictable at best. So I think that when we are spending lots and lots of time in the future, there are some pretty significant psychological risks to that especially because those of us who swim in the entrepreneurial world do like a high degree of control over our lives. We like a high degree of control over our businesses and man, we'd love a high degree of control over our futures. But the reality is that is simply not 
quite possible to the level that most of us wish. And so we live in the gap of what we wish to be true and then what actually happens. And so when we are uncomfortable in that gap, when we are uncomfortable with or disappointed by the failure of our own expectations or the unraveling of our own plans as all of us are experiencing right now, we're going to take some some mental health or some psychological punches, existentially speaking, because we're going to be in the gap or the gap of disappointment, the gap of fear about what we can't control. And I think this is one of the great challenges and I guess potentially the great lessons of the pandemic is that the variables around what's unpredictable are much more extreme than they've been in the past. Things like, will I be able to travel to see my mother for Thanksgiving? Will our children go to school in a classroom? Will we be able to visit again with friends in a, in a casual way with our faces uncovered? Will I ever begin to be able to perform circus again? Or is that six months out? Is it two years out? Is it three years out? Is it five years out? So the, the questions are significant. And I think if we live too much in the uncertainty of the future, we will make ourselves miserable. That is absolutely a recipe for anxiety, is trying to think over and over, rethink, reanalyze what steps need to be taken now to ensure a certain type of future outcome. I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that future orientation is bad for your mental health. It's not. Sometimes future orientation is one of the best possible mental health strategies because it's in a future orientation that we tell ourselves, hey, it's not always going to be like this. If we're feeling really low right now, if we're in a situation we don't like right now, if things are crappy right now, there is a future beyond this. There are moments that follow this that will be different. And once again, that's one of those problems with trauma in the sense of foreshortened future is if you can't imagine that something will be different or feel different and you're just infinitely stuck in the loop of that you don't like, wow, that's super dangerous for mental health. So the balanced perspective is to definitely spend time in the future, spend time planning, spend time imagining, spend time organizing your life to optimize the outcome in a year, in five years, in 10 years. But don't spend all of your time there. Don't spend all of your time trying to create a future for yourself that you will eventually enjoy because you know exactly what I'm going to say. None of that is assured. It's not assured in the way that we want it. It's not assured to happen at all. Which brings us to the third component in our time travel. We've talked about the past. We've talked about the future. Let's talk about the present. And I think it's easy to be very trite about the ability to focus on the present. You know, there's the just be, just be here now. And if I'm honest, I think myself included, a lot of the entrepreneurial oriented folks among us really aren't good at that. You know, we are definitely future oriented or we lean that way. And so the ability to really be in the moment that we're in, be in the time that we're in, enjoy what's happening right now in this moment is actually a skill most of us could use a little development on. Last night, Rob and I were sitting on our roof. I put up a big aerial rig on the roof and we hung some lights on it. And so it's basically this like teepee of beautiful lights 
on a rooftop deck overlooking a lake in Minnesota. It's lovely. And we were up up there last night. I was doing a little bit of a workout. And then as I finished, I played some music. We turned our lights on. The sky was sort of just after sunset. So there was still some color to it, but it was pretty dark. The temperature was perfect. No bugs. It was really a very idyllic moment. All our children were sleeping. And both of us at one moment or another began to sort of think like, what's next? What are we doing next? What are we, what, you know, what are we going to watch something tonight? Like, where are we going from here? And I, in the moment had the recognition that that was happening and was able to say like, let's just linger right here because it is perfect, perfect temperature, beautiful light, time alone together, no distractions, no children, lovely music. Let's stay right here in this moment as long as we can. And I don't know that we do that enough. I don't know that we as entrepreneurs do that enough. I don't know that we as humans do that enough, but it's the sense of really celebrating, experiencing, letting ourselves soak up or marinate in a given moment. And I think the best way to do that is is through kind of a sensory process, right? Is anchoring ourselves to what do I what do I hear right now? What do I smell right now? What do I taste? What's against my skin? All of those sensory cues that help us squeeze our kids a little tighter or hold the hand of our loved one a little better or notice the beauty of the sunset or even the like sensation of wet grass against our feet when we're walking barefoot in the morning. The ability to enjoy those subtle nuances of what is happening in our life right now is also deeply powerful to our mental health. More broadly, clinically, we talk about mindfulness. We talk about strategies to manage anxiety that are stopping that future-oriented bus, but really just letting the mind be fully present in this moment. And even from a more trauma or depressed perspective, we try to keep the mind from wandering into the tunnels of the past, but instead staying here, stay here with me now in this moment, be present. And it's a skill, rest assured. It's not something that you just wake up with in a given day. And it's also very nuanced because as you're hearing, there's deep value in spending time in the past, in reflection and in memory. And there's deep, deep value, especially as business owners, in giving ourselves lots of space and time to imagine, to vision board, to plan for the future, to be future-oriented. But we have to counterbalance those two other parts of time with the ability to stay right here, right now, and fully present with what we're doing, what we're listening to, who we're with, what's happening in our environment, what's happening in our bodies, what's happening in our minds and our hearts. Because that moment is the is sort of the purest one. It's not yet tainted by memory. It's not yet part of a larger story. And it's not imagined. It's happening actually right now. It's not in the present or it's not in the future rather. So staying deeply rooted in the present is a practice that will help you get the most out of your reflections in the past and the most out of your plans for the future because it's about counterbalance. It's about the ability to move seamlessly through the timeline of your life without neurotically, hyperactively trying to plan out the future 
or morosely, sadly being kind of anchored to or languishing in the past. And of course, an over-focus on the present can be kind of hedonistic. It can be the sense in which we just care about the pleasure or the feeling of the moment. And that has its own dangers. It can cramp or hamper our ability to be future-oriented, or it can cramp or hamper our ability to learn from the past, to be self-reflective. So we really need all three, past, present, and future, in order to be whole and well and show up as our best selves in our lives. So I hope this is a helpful concept to you. If you want to take it a step further, I'd recommend getting out a, a scrap of paper and spending a moment jotting down a couple of key memories from the past that seem most relevant right now. So frankly, if you're trying to organize education for your kids for the fall, given the challenge of COVID-19, spend a little time thinking about your key educational experiences. What, what was most important to you as a student the age of your children. So for me, that's a 14-year-old. What was important to me as a 14-year-old going to school? What did I most value? What was hardest? What did I most need? So thinking through some of those past experiences from your own life and then anchoring to the present, what is your kiddo right now? What are they interested in? What do they seem to most need? What's helpful to them? What's harmful to them? What scares them? What upsets them? And then, of course, looking towards the future on behalf of your kiddo. What are the things they most need to learn? What are their growth areas? What do they want for themselves? What are you hopeful for for them? So taking one problem or question, I guess, in your life and looking at it from the past, the present, and the future lens, I think can be really helpful because, again, you're doing this time traveling, learning from the past being present to what's happening now and also anticipating the future. And you can do that with lots of different questions in your life, whether it's hiring, you know, what are your past experiences with hiring? What have you done well or not done well? What were your own experiences getting your first job, being in your first professional role? What did you need at that time? What kind of onboarding help was useful to you? What kind of training did you thrive under? What kind of one-on-ones were helpful to you? Think about the past as a tool to understand the lens from which you're asking the question in the present, and then looking forward to your goals in the future. So it's not a bad technique in terms of thinking through key important values as well as patterns. Past, present, future, it all matters. Don't get stuck in any one, but use all of it. It's all data and it's all valuable. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.